Welcome to another episode of Market Proof Marketing. Today we have Kadra Evans, Director of Industry Relations for New Construction from everyone's favorite company that starts with Z, Zillow. Hello. Thanks for having me, Kevin. Absolutely, Kadra. We are excited to have you here. Andrew has also decided to yeah, hop I have on. To hop on for this. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Industry relations, Kajor. We're just going to jump right in, then we'll then we'll circle back to your origin story of how you got here. But this is a term slash job that a lot of people in the, uh, as you guys call it, newcon world in home building isn't familiar with. What what is the role of an industry relations director at Zillow? Yeah, that's a really good question. Because this is new to Zillow, new to the newcon industry, I'll go into kind of how it originated and why we think it's important. Zillow actually has the largest and most experienced industry relation team of its kind. And we we kind of span from the MLS world. They deal solely with MLSs. We've got a broker relations team that works with uh, leadership teams of all the big real estate brokerages around the country. When we became a broker last year, we discovered the need to have a relations team that works with the National Association of Realtors down through the state and local associations. And so the last missing piece of that puzzle, as you can well see, is new construction. And so I came into this role. We really want to just get engaged with the industry. We want to drive awareness and education of what Zillow's got to offer besides just advertising products. And so that's where this role comes in. It's exciting. Andrew, it kind of sounds... Yeah. Uh, my analogies, Kedra, as uh, you are, are legendary for does. their awfulness. It's like a a tech company understanding that they need to have human beings to interact with, uh, which <laughs> yes. is refreshing. Like where, where refreshing. Are all those Facebook marketing experts are just salespeople in disguise. But when you actually have a problem, Facebook doesn't want to answer your call or your email. So so when you're given that background, Kedra, it's it's starting to interface with all these different organizations and knowing how important the data is for, for your company and, and the people that you serve as customers, it's like, we better have human beings involved in this too. Yeah, it's, it really, Zillow is always the 800 pound gorilla in any room that we go into and it makes people nervous. So when you put a human face to it and a human face that brings you news, information, we tend to, at least in the broker world, as soon as we are allowed to announce something that we're going to, that we're going to be launching, we give them the heads up so that they are in a better place to explain it, not from social media, not from what they read on Inman, um, but they're in a better place to explain it coming straight from the source. Okay. See, I, I, I really am slow to some of this stuff because industry relations is not a term that's used in our world much at all on, on the new construction Same side, that. you know, public relations, short industry relations, is a little bit different. So when something changes or happens or, or people need to know, I'm going to email you in the future, right? Like, Hey, I heard that's this cool. rumor. Can you comment, not comment? You're the finger on the pulse, so to speak. That's exactly it. And that's what we want people to do. And that's why we're out in the awesome. industry, making friends, building these relationships so that when something hits the fan or rumors are going crazy, <laughs> you know exactly who to call and we'll tell you everything that we're allowed to tell you. Yep, the rumors awesome. will do their thing. Yeah, I think this is, is super important for the new construction side because I feel like we are so well connected because there's not that many. I mean, there's a, quite a few builders out there, but like if you add up like dollar amounts and like where the majority of the house is being built. You're yeah. like, there's actually not that many builders compared to how many individual realtors there are. Hey, Dennis O'Neill, if you're listening, we need you to make a tool. And I think we should call it the Kevin Oakley, what, what the Kevin Oakley effect. You know, there's the Kevin Bacon effect. Like the, yeah. Kevin Seven Oakley degrees effect. of separation from Kevin Bacon. I think in our industry, we could do the, the three degrees of separation from Kevin Oakley. 
Like I think on, on LinkedIn, I'm at least three degrees connected to everyone at this point, almost 20 so years in. Visualization tool. Who yeah, can do yeah. it first? Be a fun word cloud. Get a pancake breakfast if you do it. Okay, Kedra. So how long have you worked for Zillow Group? I am coming up on my fifth year here at Zillow. And I actually started on the aforementioned broker relations team. I've got about 20 years that I've been in the real estate industry. I, I've kind of touched a lot of different spaces with the industry. It led from traditional real estate, just listing and selling homes, to when the recession hit in 2007. I, as most people, had to pivot and figure out what I was going to do next. And so I ended up in the REO foreclosure world, working for companies that banks would outsource their foreclosure portfolios to, to manage. So I did yeah. that for quite some time and then finally found myself at Zillow. I could tell there was something different because when, when normally when Jake and Lucy want me to meet someone new to the team, there's a lot of like, you know, they're going to, it's going to take them some time to get oriented and they're going to need to learn. And, and even when I meet that individual, they're kind of like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm learning and I'm going to absorb all I can. And, and from the first time that we interacted, I could tell like, this is why you're in this role because you, you were asking questions that people that I've worked with in the industry for 10 years wouldn't know to ask and making this connection. So you're also, like you said, you have a background in, in real estate, but you're also a, a broker. Is that correct? Yeah, I actually hold uh, six real estate licenses. Oh, very random. You love exams. It seems like, yeah, you're just like taking them. Let's collect them all. (laughs) I like to collect them. They look good on my wall. (laughs) But no, I actually we we have a whole broker operations side at Zillow too, and those licenses assist with that. Completely random. Which of those licenses was the hardest to obtain? What's which which state? I would say I, my home state is Colorado, and I took that one um, as a youngster. So I would say that one is definitely the hardest one. It took me a couple of times to pass it, but don't tell. So you're not in Seattle. I am in Denver, Colorado. Fantastic. I mean, nice. we like Seattle too, but you're a little bit more. You're a little sunnier here. A little sunnier. You, I think you have a, and this is not against anyone in Seattle or California, but Seattle, California, Canada. Texas, Utah, different places where we say, if you don't spend much time outside of your, your bubble, so to speak, in those areas, you don't, you don't have the same exposure to what other markets are experiencing. So I think that's also a plus, uh, in, in your case for sure. So we kind of touched on it quickly, but how did you get into real estate from the, from the ground floor, so to speak? Did you go to college for real estate masters or? I, I did not. I don't know that it's an extremely interesting story. <laughs> I, kind of, have to spend a lot I graduated of time. with a journalism degree and I wasn't quite sure of my next step. And we were coming off of that, the hit to the economy after September 11th, uh, which dates me. Maybe don't. Yeah, it dates me. <laughs> I wasn't quite sure of my next steps. And that is, it's kind of how I landed in real estate. It was, it was kind of what's going to give me the best opportunity going forward. And so I went to school, got my license after a couple of times and, and just started exploring. And I never said no to a different opportunity, learned to just kind of take that winding road. Uh, and it led me all the way here to Zillow. Do you feel like real estate is something that kind of just gets in your blood, generally speaking? Absolutely. I think once you're in, I don't know that, I don't know that even if you wanted to get out, you could get out. It kind of does get in your blood and you start to live and breathe it. And it's such a great community of people that I honestly can't imagine doing anything else. 
Yep. I'm only five, six years in and it's, to me, it's interesting. Like it affects every single person ever really like it. It touched, I was in e-commerce before and like I can meet 50 people. It would, I'd have zero effect on those 50 real estate on their hand. Like all 50 of those people are affected by anything that does change in the industry. It's true. It's, it's homes, it's shelter. It's, it is home. The foundational need of every it's human. Being. So, yeah. Yeah, just yeah. yeah. I'm always balancing when I'm at a party or an event and people don't know what I do. On the one hand, if anyone mentions anything related to housing, I feel compelled because I don't know what else to talk about in public with people, <laughs> humans, to, to enter the conversation. At the same time, I have to hold back because I can't, I've gotten much better at it as I've, I just turned 41, but early on, it was really hard to, to filter just what the truth was. You know, someone would be like, oh yeah, my, my agent's the best. They just sold my house in two hours. And I'm like, oh, that's not, you could have made more money. You know, there's just awkward conversations like that happen. So, but, but what would you say are, are your, are the things that you, you learned from your time in other business segments at Zillow? You know, I, it kind of goes back to what I was just saying is, is we have such a reputation and is a tech company. And if you're looking for a phone number to call, you're not going to find one to call. You can't just call Zillow for whatever you need. And so really getting those arms out and the tentacles out to, to talk to as many people as possible and really humanize the company and getting information that's straight from the source to empower leaders. It's, it's leaders that we're dealing with and they've got people that they need to go tell a, a whole story to. So when we're talking to brokers or builders, we can give them information straight from the source and they are educated to go talk to their respective stakeholders as well. Last question before we shift to consumer housing trends then is, are you a professional speaker? Do you speak and give presentations as well? Is that part of what this role would entail at different events or if there's a, a large builder who is hosting an event, talk to me about if that applies or doesn't apply and what that looks like. It definitely applies. Uh, this entire, our entire industry relations team is called upon to speak. I don't know if I'm a professional speaker. (laughs) Yeah, you are. But I I do a ton (laughs) of speaking. I've got, you know, event after event lined up this year to just get on stage and really educate, answer questions and be a source from Zillow. All the things that we've got under the curtain. Awesome. Professional. Yeah. Apologies in advance for all the people who email you asking you to speak at a bazillion things, but um, it. it's my it. fault that they're going to ask you. And it's also, you can tell them it's my fault that you have to tell a bunch of them. No, but, uh, <laughs> we'll say okay. yes. Many Due to Kevin Oakley, yeah. I have to decline. <laughs> there yeah. you go. Perfect. <laughs> Consumer housing trends. We look forward to this every year. Love the questions you guys do consistently over time asked to be able to trend to, to track the trends, but also the questions that you add in uh, new every year. We'll definitely drop a link in the show notes. If you don't already, for some reason, have a, a hard copy or a digital copy of the booklet, definitely grab that. It, if nothing else, and, and I mean this sincerely, like you should use it for lots of things, but you should definitely use it for an upcoming sales meeting. I know Someone in the Market Proof Marketing Facebook group recently said, hey, how do I get a little bit more exposure to the sales organization, help them understand what I do and and how marketing helps support sales? There's lots of stats in there about why salespeople might need to change behaviors or adopt different technologies or just continue to grow with the market and where the consumer is going. I'll I'll give you the floor first, Kedra. Is there anything uh, high level that you just want to point out before Andrew and I ask you some questions that we have? 
This consumer housing trends report is actually really interesting because it surveys from 2021. And obviously that was mid-pandemic. Things have totally shifted during this last two years. So I think the insights are really cool. Uh, you can kind of see how perspectives have changed with consumers. So 9,000 people surveyed, buyers, sellers, renters, and I believe about 1,000 of them were actually new construction buyers. The other thing that I think is really interesting to know, and I think this probably is due to the pandemic, is 70% of buyers are now considering new construction when they're searching for homes. That was up 8% from the previous year. And so I think that's a direct impact of what the pandemic has done and shifted for all of us. The other interesting takeaway, and I think this, it, this is just good data to have across the board, anybody that's engaging with this group, there's 46 million millennials reaching their prime home buying years. So that their age is 26 to 35, 46 million people. And we all know that millennials deal with you know, they're, they're different consumers than the rest of us. And so yeah. they expect to be treated differently when they're searching for homes. So I think that's something to really be aware of as we kind of march towards the future with them. Yeah, I love it. Uh, the, um, the connection between existing, or we say used homes and new construction, it's always been an interesting relationship because historically it's, that's your biggest competition. A majority of people don't necessarily strongly consider new construction out of the gate. They kind of fall back to it because what they find in the existing market is doesn't doesn't meet their needs or or their expectations. I'm trying to pull it up quickly here to, to show you, Kadra, but 2021 was an interesting year in that the typical spring market kind of ended early and interest declined uh, in traffic and visits to builder websites through the summer. But then once existing home inventory increased in the summer months, we saw uh, new construction come back, which is a very atypical pattern of seasonality. And so that that connection, like you're saying, 70% are going to consider new construction, but that doesn't still mean a, necessarily a direct connection to what caused that initial spark. And that's when, when you start driving around, if you can afford to pay for gas and see for sale signs popping up, it spurs people to consider getting back in the market who might've come out or paused or made a different temporary decision based upon availability before. And that's good for everyone right now, especially when we have such a large percentage of the market uh, considering us. Okay, Andrew, question number one. Yeah, let's do question number one, which is piggybacking right on what you said and combining the demand increase. I think it's now 70% this past survey with millennials and then visualization tools as far as being able to see these homes. Do you think, and I, I it's maybe it's a, it's a leading question, We'll continue to see that trend rise just as like the tools become better to picture these homes that maybe are not built yet. Um, they're getting more of what they actually want. And maybe you could say millennials are more um, demanding of a consumer. Maybe, maybe not. Do you think that will continue to rise to 70, 72, 75, 80, 85%, whatever number maybe? I think that one really great thing that came out of the pandemic is technology fast forwarded years because it had to. So at the beginning of the yeah. pandemic, I can use Zillow as an example. We had interactive floor plans that coordinate with our 3D home product. We had interactive floor plans kind of on the three-year roadmap. And as soon as the pandemic hit, we were like, oh no, <laughs> these, these consumers are going to need to find a way yeah. to get immersed into that house without going to the house. So that got, it got catapulted and raised to the top of the priority list. And so as those tools continue to get used and 
and this is a plug to adopt those tools. <laughs> we, I, I think yes. it used to be a nice to have that rich media content was cool. It used to be that way. And now it's a must have. You've got to have quality listings showing up anywhere you post them online. And so as those tools get more widely adopted and they get better and they can, they can provide a more immersive experience for consumers, I think it's going to drive more high intent buyers to where they want to go. And that includes new construction. Definitely. Especially when that house isn't ready to be moved in immediately. I mean, we're such a immediate gratification species now. And pre-selling a home today is hard for lots of reasons. Cost is almost unable to be controlled. So consumers right now, as of today, anyway, the average um, interest rate for a 30-year fix with 20% down is around 4.7%, which is like, that, that's a lot. A bit um, more than we're used to. Yeah. So- all those things, plus the delayed gratification of having to wait a year or a question mark uh, for your home to be completed, you have to have more of that rich media content to excite people. And that goes back to, I think, where your question was, Andrew, is... Yeah, as the barriers are decreased, we should see the people that, like, the barrier is there. That's their true reason why, like, oh, I'm, I'm all stick with existing. I could go see that home. But if they're like, oh, this feels like I'm actually at the home, I, I want that because that fits everything I want. Has ten yeah. foot ceilings. These other ones have eight foot ceilings. Mm. Let's keep going to down down that route. It's it's an emotional barrier though that content is unlocking. Or, yes, or removing. I think I think right. it's emotional. Yeah, I think you're right. Even in existing home sales, you guys know the the tricks that listing agents give to their sellers: take away all the personal effects, get the mm. photos off the wall, oh, yeah. because buyers cannot picture themselves even in an ex existing home with other people's stuff on the walls. So, I mean, think of a house they can't see, feel, touch, or get the vibe of. And that's exactly why, you know, existing homes have led the pack. But as we're able to give them more of that experience, then why not go get a new construction home that checks all the boxes of the demands that you have? Awesome. Definitely. On page 16 of the report, it talks about that a majority of all buyers are staying closer to their initial budget. And I thought that was really interesting because historically, the more you research something, the more you spend time just understanding why things are valued the way they are. My personal example is my snowblower machine. We don't really get that much snow here in Columbus. I was going to get a really lightweight uh, snowblower for, for my, the house I lived in previously. Still, still a pretty long driveway. And by the time I spend you know three hours on the manufacturer's website, like, well, I, I need the light on the front and I need the one that can like, if we did get a bad snowstorm yeah. and some of it turned to ice first, we'd have to break that up with a bigger auger. And so then I'm spending, you know, way too much on a snowblower that I've used three times in the last four years. So, so what do you think it is that's causing this to happen? And does it have any implications on how marketers should think about pricing their homes? Um, meaning, and I don't know, I'm giving you a lot, uh, but you're a professional at one time, <laughs> typically marketers and salespeople are like, well, we, yeah, the average sales price in this community, Kadra, is 450. But if we say um, homes from the 430s instead of homes from the high 300s, no one will come. What, and this data seems to you know, combat that idea a little bit of maybe we should just be more honest and direct at what the pricing is because they're not, they're not budging the way it seems like they used to. I think you can look at it a few different ways though. One, the way that the market is right now, I think buyers are expecting to pay well above what they make an offer on or where they look. So I think perhaps they're starting at a lower price uh -huh. point, knowing that they're going to pay. I mean, in some cases it's a hundred 
to $150,000 more than the asking price. I don't know. I've gotten caught up in model homes where you go in and you're like, I've got this much to spend, but I want my house to look like this. (laughs) And uh, Mm -hmm. and that's really easy to fall down that rabbit hole. So maybe we've got sales center reps, sales reps that are really doing a good job of explaining and helping buyers stay within their budgets once they start, once they get far enough down a path that they're picking out finishes. Or even that that rich media content, and but both on Zillow that's being uh, syndicated to you, or on the builder's website itself, giving more transparency into what um, pricing looks like and options look like. And so, but I think that could be tip. But I, I agree with you. As soon as you said it, it, made complete sense that everyone's expectations on what they're paying is also probably higher. Uh, one could say more reasonable, like more realistic. Of just knowing you're going to have to pay more means you're going to hit more of what you initially started with versus thinking you're going to sneak in and get the HGTV dream house from the 200s. Yeah, you're not going to be stealing any properties. No fires. <laughs> yep. Nope. Andrew? Not at all. Not at all. Yeah, I got this one. It is, um, I believe, page. it's page 20. And essentially, it, it compares new construction buyers versus existing home buyers. And my interpretation of it is new construction buyers, or I guess one interpretation could be their expectations are like significantly higher than an existing home buyer. But to me, that's that's why they chose new construction, because they're getting more of what they want. Do you think that's a missed opportunity for builders as far as like just leaning really heavily on that? Because the way I see it, it's like 85% has a floor plan to lay out that fits me. 85% has an in-suite bathroom. 81%, like it just goes on and on and on. Like pretty much everybody, I want this, I want this, I want this. Oh, and I want this too. It's They want everything. They want the whole world. And they're kind of getting, they're getting that because they're picking exactly what they need. But I feel like builders could kind of shy away from that as far as let's lower expectations so we could actually meet them. Versus the data I'm reading it shows we should maybe do the opposite. Do you think I'm crazy? Do you think? No, I think. I, and I interpreting that correctly or, or what, are, what are your thoughts on it? Why wouldn't you lean into the fact that you can customize, semi-customize, you can pick your own finishes. You can, we've got these different selections for you. And we're finding out things that existing homes they simply will not be able to do. Uh, one of the statistics that we found in the um, in the Consumer Housing Trends report is that 41% of new construction buyers consider renting out or they want space to rent out part of their home to generate extra income. Well, if I know that as a builder, maybe I have a plan that offers that and an as right. existing home can never do that. So leaning into what we know buyers want and where trends are going I think is absolutely a competitive advantage and needs to be communicated. Yeah, I I know exactly where you're coming from. And I have an irrational connection to people who sit in the seat who have those fears of like, can't set expectations too high. However, yes. I think I would just want to remind everyone that there's a lot of really crappy I would say another word just to be able to use the the, beep, the beeper, but terrible experiences that people have on the used home side of the business too. Like we we yep. tend to over internalize. I think of, oh my gosh, we had to have them reselect a countertop. The, their world is over, and they're going to hate us forever. Meanwhile, you know they put in five offers that got rejected, or they you know did an inspection and found the, that there was asbestos throughout the whole home, and there's termites and there's they're sacrificing things just to get in a home that they can get into now, but they don't have to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, I forget the exact number, so this isn't part of the official survey, but on our last podcast, we, 
we looked at the news report from Zillow about, I think it was 71% of people having at least one major thing that they, they didn't love about the home they purchased in the last year. And a lot of that, the most of that is existing still. So yeah, to, don't over internalize it. I and think. I, I think pushing this forward, one, two, three, four, five, whatever years, as far as like, let's say demand softens a bit, having like, Hey, you get what you want with an exist, a brand new home. Like that could then just move people over just as they have now we're at 70% preference for new construction or consideration, just pushing that number even further, which is, you know, now there's more people in demand for your homes versus even though market could change all those sort of things. Yep. My next question comes from page 12 talks about there appears to be a lack of awareness among all buyers that the potential to work with a builder to construct a home from the ground up or buy a home before it's built. And, and I'm, I'm guessing that a lot of that is driven by builders choosing intentionally to not talk about, it's like, um, the song that all the kids love. We don't talk about Bruno. We don't talk about, um, from the ground up because we'd rather just focus on the inventory under construction, uh, due, due to supply chains, costing all that stuff. But is that, is that incorrect? Is there anything else that you think is driving that lack of awareness by consumers about like consumers not realizing you can build with a builder seems totally paradoxical, but yeah, that's what the data shows. Yeah. I don't know that that all lies on the builder though. Uh, We have data and I don't know the statistic off the top of my head, but it's vast significant amount of buyers think of new construction New construction coming from a home builder, they think of new construction as a completed home that nobody's lived in. Hmm. Uh, and so I, and buyers are very linear. I, so when you go to a home builder, you want to go into a house that's been completed and that's where you see yourself living. So while the builder on one, they might not be touting their from the ground up builds, but buyers also aren't probably asking about them because they just want what they can go in and see, touch and feel. Mm-hmm. goes back to that same idea. Yeah. The irrationality yep. of the consumer and, and all of us, it can never be underestimated. I still, I haven't told this story in a little while, Kadra. So I want to, I want to tell you one of our good friends, we, we were having dinner with them in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and they lived at the time in uh, maybe like a 1200 square foot home from the forties, all brick, really small rooms, like maybe seven foot ceilings in some spaces, eight foot in another. And the two misconceptions that blew my mind were one that don't existing homes appreciate better than new. It's like, uh, no, not, not, I mean the land underneath it does, but not the home, the, you know, floor plans age. And the other one was, she said, I just love the charm of an old home so much more. And meanwhile, at the same time, talking about all these features that she wanted in new construction and, but, but, you know, there's no charm anymore. And it, I think charm was made up by a marketer of really old homes as a reason to love them because I agree. I agree. And very small homes. The charming is the charming is the word for very small homes. <laughs> yeah. Small, I, I feel like charming is a cuss word almost. Like if you have, <laughs> if you have hundred year old wiring in your home, it ain't charming when you have it's a problem. problem. Fire. Yeah. That hundred year old sewer and plumbing. You know, it's funny. It's funny that you say that though, because I think I read somewhere at some point that buyers have a hard time even seeing past paint color when they're looking at home. They cannot, if a, if a house has pink walls, it will have pink walls forever. And it is the reason they check it off their list. And so that's what we're talking about when we're talking about 
why am I a buyer and I'm not going to go ask for a builder to build my house from the ground up is because I can't even see past paint color in existing homes. Yeah. All right, Andrew, you got one more? Yeah. Yeah. I got one more. Um, I guess two, two things. Um, one is just a comment. I feel like you, you should, everyone should download the report. There's like some cheat codes in here as far as like what buyers are looking for. I take them as cheat codes as far as like smart home technology. I don't like this word. That's the word of what it is. Cause now it's like everyone has that. Like, isn't that like normal, at to the, but it's not normal whatsoever, especially if you're buying an existing home and it's just in a new home, like, cool, this is what we got. So there's a few pages where it's like, buyers want this. Why are we not doing this as far as if you're a builder and you're like, Hey, we're not doing that. It's like, well, maybe if you did do it for a few it's pennies. It's a nice roadmap. Yeah, yeah. It's a nice, it's a nice roadmap. Yeah, and you don't have to include it at it no cost. It you can yeah. make it a, basically an option that you don't make money on which still in, pers- in in comparison to all of your other options will scream a value. And the other thing I would say, Andrew, is having just gone through new construction myself, the other thing that's happening, when I did my electrical walkthrough, I told them I want smart switches everywhere and like six smart plugs. You know mm-hmm. what happened? We don't want to wait for that. Or me, the consumer, doesn't want to wait for those switches to appear. And the electrician doesn't want to spend extra time wiring up something that he's not used to doing as much as a normal switch. So move into a brand new construction home. And so again, if you're a builder who does anything, even if you feel ashamed, you're like, this is so simple. Uh, it goes back to, if you don't talk about it, then there's truly no, no value to offering it. Yeah. Even if just like the main living areas have the smart technology, like we're, yeah, be now like, we're not talking about including two echo dots. That doesn't count. No, that does not way. count. That's embarrassing. <laughs> that is, that's garbage. <laughs> when they're $19 on prime day, like that, no. that can't be anything. Right. So along, you know, after those is just thinking, do you think the lack of inventory in existing was the increase in demand for new construction? Or do you, do you consider that that's probably a factor where we saw that? Or do you think it truly was like people are actually preferring new construction based on, hey, I need two offices at home or I need a dedicated office and existing homes like, oh, it's five bedrooms, but there's no garage anymore because they converted the garage. Do you think there's, what do you think is going on there? Is it inventory driven or is it truly because it is the product itself? I think inventory it plays a part in the bigger picture of it all, but there's also other factors. So the pandemic allowed people to live wherever they wanted. So maybe they don't have to live close to their downtown office anymore. They can move to the suburbs or even further out. Mm. Uh, they can customize. So like you said, we need two offices. We want a home gym. We need a pool, whatever the, whatever the case may be. Um, so you've got low inventory, plus you've got the ability to move. You've got the ability to relocate and you've got the ability to customize for what you want. So I think it's just a variety of factors and not to mention we've got those those millennials in their prime home buying years that might not be wanting to settle for for an existing home yeah. and sacrifice because they're used to getting whatever they want to and and builders can meet them where they are definitely my, my other thought there andrew which is just a thought is that de- demand and supply well, has is- a huge part of it but that also translates into pricing and whenever the separation of existing and new from a from a price per square foot or total price, however you want to look at it, when that delta gets gets very small, new construction becomes much more interesting to people. Typically, new construction, again, random numbers that everyone in the industry says that I don't know are true, but eight to ten percent more expensive than a comparable existing home. So if that suddenly becomes two, because and by the way, I'm included in this group. People selling a used home are the greediest people on the planet. 
And, and I just mean that like selfishly. Well, especially now, like, I yeah. mean, always, well, you take whatever you can like, get. And, and most people, most much, agents yeah. have the problem of, well, I think my home is worth X. Why? Because I just made that up. But I think, I think it should be worth that. And, and again, all the internal consternation that builders give ourselves, uh, we give ourselves as builders around, Ooh, do I raise price or not raise price? Someone selling their existing home is like, yeah, just make it a hundred grand more. Let's just see what happens for a couple of days or a week yeah. or two. And, and the price thousand. discovery is in real time. And I think because of the supply and demand, it led into existing, actually rising faster than new construction for a large part of the market. And it's still, you can see kind of submarkets where it gets out of whack again, where existing just shoots up. And if you, do it, and this goes back to my, my presentation, the builder show yeah. where I think all but seven people in an audience of 250 said that they do not any longer do competitive analysis on a regular basis with other builders, let alone new construction. Wow. So do your competitive analysis and an easy way to do it, get on Zillow and see what's out there. Yeah. At least feel like a shopper, feel like you're shopping. You know, I think also don't forget that this, this largest group of home buyers coming into the market right now, they're used to paying a premium for convenience and for things that they want. They have groceries delivered. They, you know, Mm. they, they use services like that and they're okay with paying a premium for that extra convenience to get what they're demanding. So it's all about value at the end of the day. What is the value? And another one on here is the stat of like new construction buyers favor a sense of community which of course a brand new community, like down here where I'm at, there's really not that many new, new construction communities. So that was a big reason for us. We're like, oh, like we could have our kids out in the front yard. We could be inside and whatever it's gated. Like this is perfect. You go across the street houses are similar in size, but like, oh, we don't have that. And it's like literally across, like out this window, right in front of me across the street. You just don't get that. So like leaning on those things, there's so many things taken away from this that could be just used in, on the marketing side to just push this is why you should go with new construction or things that aren't actually being exploit might be a strong word, but to me, they should be leaned on exploited more heavily uh, because we don't talk about them enough. All right. Um, my last question could start a whole nother hour long conversation, Ooh, mostly just me trying to explain to everyone that I do love all technology and progress forward. But on page 35, my heart did warm at, at the phrase, the vast majority of buyers still want in-person experiences. And it didn't warn because I'm old fashioned. It just tells me that my inclination over the past two years, especially of trying to say over and over and over again, that the best sales and marketing process is not an online or an offline process, but it's a hybrid and that we need to give consumers the choice of doing things however they want them done. And it continues to be a yes and not an either or uh, situation. Am I thinking about that right though, in terms of the data you're seeing where, where hybrid approaches are going to win versus a single approach to, to selling and marketing homes and communities to. Yeah. You're, you're thinking about that completely correct. And we've been shouting this from the rooftops for years because it has always been seen as this disruptor mm. and we're not. And what we've been shouting and telling everybody is no, real estate is still a relationship business and it's a complicated process and consumers are always going to need somebody walking them through that process. The tech is here to enhance everything that you already have. 
I think where we struggle a little bit is real estate is a very antiquated business and we've been doing things the same way since the beginning of time. And change is very slow. What's happening now is these millennials, this giant generation of people want to be they want to be sold in a different type of way. And so they want all the tools to discover everything on their own. And then when they're ready, so they want, let's Zillow has self tour that's being piloted right now because we found that a lot of consumers don't want to go be quote unquote sold while they're just trying to look at a house. So we're, we were like, well, let's have self tour. You can go look at the house and then you can go do the virtual tour. You can see the floor plan. You can Go do everything on yourself. And then when you're ready, you shout. And then a salesperson will be there. And so it's just a shift of perception of how you deal with them. And that sometimes it takes a long time in real estate, right? Yeah. (laughs) And to follow through on that, I think I would accentuate that even after they connect with a salesperson, the consumer still wants the right to say, thank you for that. Now go away and let me do the rest myself. And that, so, so again, it's, it's not this extreme yep. one or the other. It is continuing to make hybrid uh, opportunities and, and the system to be smart enough to keep everyone informed of where the consumer is in that process. When every consumer is different too. So you've got to really just meet them where they want you to meet them. So some are going to want to have their hands held the whole way. That's it. Yep. Some are going to say, please leave me alone. I'll let you know when I need you. And everybody operates a little differently. And so sales salespeople just need to know that and ask how you prefer to be communicated with. Meet them where they are, not have them meet you where you want to be. When you said Zillow gets viewed as the disruptor, I I do agree that the consumer is the disruptor. The consumer is the one always demanding more. And I've said this from the very beginning of Zillow's entry into Nucon is they're just serving the customer. And, And technology is the thing that lets us keep up to speed with what the consumer wants while hopefully not dramatically increasing costs. Cause that's my other note here. Just like builders are struggling with all this stuff is additive. Where am I, how do I find efficiencies in my process or do my costs just keep going up? And technology is generally a deflationary force. I mean, it, we're, we're all very familiar with what inflation is right now. And technology's role is to help companies and humans keep up with consumer demands while still finding um, you know, efficient ways of getting things done. Yeah, little Zillow plug here. Honestly, one of the reasons I love what Zillow does is we spend more on R&D than most other companies do combined every year. <laughs> and what I like about it is it's to better not only us so that we can better serve consumers, but we share that technology uh, 3D home interactive floor plans. Those are free products that we want people to adopt so that our consumers, our shared consumers can have that great experience that they want. And so we're really trying to better the industry as a whole with, with surveys like this consumer housing trends with products like we launch every year with all of our research and development. It's really to better all of us so that we can meet consumers where they want to be met. Love it. That's great. Okay. Kadra, you mentioned a reference to nine 11. So I'm going to, I'm going to go out on a limb here. Were you a new kids on the block fan? Oh, they were, yes. I had all the gear. Okay. So all of it. Uh, at least a third of our audience is Googling right now, new kids on the block. Cause they have no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> I, I love strange connections and analogies and all those things. So Kadra might be the new kid on the, on the new construction block, but th- the new kid in school is always the one that you want to make sure you know. So 
Uh, make sure you check the link in the in the show notes as well to connect with her on LinkedIn. Um, you can email buildersalesazillow.com for more information as well. That's not her personal email. And she's even offering just to, to talk and, and connect one-on-one as well. So you can also connect with her at Kedra E uh, at zillowgroup.com. But again, uh, link in the show notes or LinkedIn is probably the best way uh, to, to start out and then go from there. Again, Consumer Housing Trends Report, if you don't have it, you're missing out. And I think I can break the news that we're going to see you in Phoenix in September, I think. You will. We'll be in Phoenix awesome. in September. Yeah. Excited so, for it. Yeah. Can't can't wait for everyone to get a chance to see you in person there as well. Because um, again, I, I, I'm always impressed with the, I often joke, like, does everyone at this company come from Harvard, Princeton, Yale, wherever, but always good people working at Zillow Group, but particularly impressed with with how you've entered uh, Kedra and excited to see all that you do to make the industry better. Thanks so much. Thanks, Andrew. Really appreciate you guys having me. Thank you. See ya. See ya.